welcome to the first episode of the Biz Unplugged Universal Orlando Edition. From Orlando, Florida, I'm your host, Pete Werner, and I am joined this week by our Orlando team, including Bob Varley, Julie Martin, Corey Martin, Kevin Close, and John Magi. In our monthly roundup segment, we'll tell you about what's coming up at Universal Orlando, and we'll discuss some of the rumors of new attractions. In our Trip Planning 101 segment, I'll tell you about my recent family vacation at Universal Orlando. In our Dining Review segment, Kevin Close will give his review of Lombard's Landing, and we'll introduce our monthly contest where you can win your choice of a two-park annual pass to Universal Orlando or two tickets to see the upcoming show Blue Man Group. Now, before we get started today, I'd like to introduce you to our new show. For those that are familiar with our weekly Disney podcast, I think you'll find our take on Universal to be a bit familiar, and for those of you who are just finding us welcome, uh, we'll be doing this show once a month to start. Uh, if the interest is there, then we'll do the show more often, but I think Universal deserves its own podcast, mainly because when we talk about Universal on our Disney podcast, I get yelled at by the the hardcore Disney fans who don't want to know, who don't want to hear anything about any other uh, any other theme parks in Orlando, but. Uh, we'll start off with our monthly ra- uh, monthly wrap up of what's uh, what's going on. Uh, the big news uh, recently announced uh, just last week was uh, regarding the Simpsons. Uh, Universal is adding the Simpsons to their lineup. Uh, that will re- Simpsons will replace the now closed Back to the Future attraction with a new ride based on the popular Fox TV series. Uh, the attraction is slated to open in the spring of two thousand and eight. Now this is going as I said. Uh, where Back to the Future was. I th- first of all, I think it's great that they finally closed Back to the Future. That yeah. ride, it was time. It was one of a few rides, I think, in that park that really need to... They had a chiropractor outside. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they could have made a fortune <laughs> if they had done that. And uh, But from what we're hearing is that there's not going to be... Again, these are rumors, we're not sure, but from the people we've talked to, it's not going to be a big change. It's still going to be the same screen. Uh, they'll be using different vehicles... But it's still going to be the same experience. I don't think they're doing anything new technology-wise uh, with, uh, with, with with this ride. It's it's going to be a motion simulator. And i got to be honest, from the very beginning, Back to the Future, I can usually handle motion simulators, but that one uh, made me that sick. That one was rough, yeah. That one made me nauseous. Rename it. And oh, so, my back. Exactly. Oh, my back to the future. But it's really quite... Uh, it's interesting to see what they're going to end up doing. Uh, I'm really hoping there's some cool new technology. I mean, these are the people who brought us Mummy and Spider-Man. So the technology and the talent is there, and they're apparently spending a lot of money on this. So um, I'm hoping that it's not just you know Back to the Future replaced with with a Simpsons movie. But it looks. I'm, I'm glad they're doing something. They, it has been a few years now. It's been almost four years since they've added a new attraction to either one of the two theme parks over there. So, at least it's something. Uh, and but it's getting lukewarm a lukewarm response from people. People are not all that excited about the Simpsons. When you just have an overlay over an old ride, it's kind of hard to get excited about it. But let's see what happens with it. Also, the Simpsons is 18 years old. Right. It's it's kind of hard to get re-excited about something that was popular in popular culture 18 years ago. Yeah. I However, mean, I have heard, though, that it might be 3D. If they do something 3D with it, that that could be very cool. That could be very, very cool. That's why I said let's wait and see what they do with it. They might sort of be keeping some things under their hat. You know, they don't want to give everything away right away. And I'm just reserving judgment until we go see it. And you've heard the the more fleshed out what's going to happen. You're going to be going to a theme park in Krusty World or Krusty, Krusty World, Town. You're right, in Springfield, and you're going to be riding in a vehicle that resembles a, like you're in a roller coaster vehicle. So perhaps what it's going to be more like a roller coaster ride. And it's going to be high speed. Uh-oh. Yep. You know, we'll see what they do with it. As long as they pad the inside of the car. Well, as long as they make the ride mechanism a little smoother. I mean, that was the problem with Back to the Future. It was so jerky. Well, they did yeah. say they were updating the, the ride mechanism. They would well, have they have to. They have no choice. Yeah. I mean, they can't, they can't leave that, that, that Back to the Future ride mechanism in place. People go running for the hills. Mm-hmm. End up with an aneurysm. Yeah. <laughs> Sponsored by WD-40. Now, the other, uh, the other big, uh, big addition coming to Universal in the next month is going to be uh, Blue Man Group. Uh, they have built a 1,000-seat theater specifically to house Blue Man Group. It'll be a permanent addition to Universal Orlando. 
And uh, from what we're hearing, the uh, advanced ticket sales for Blue Man Group are the best in their history. That uh, they've been selling really, really well. It uh, premieres uh, June 7th. And uh, we got a chance to see the inside of the theater. It's a cool theater. It really is. That they built. There's no bad seats. There are no bad seats. The it's, only It's not huge. You it's know, not you, huge. You think it's going to be this huge theater. It's real intimate. And they'll be doing um, they'll be doing usually two shows a day depending depending on uh, depending on how busy the parks are um, it'll be anywhere from one to three shows a day so during the um, during the summer months you're going to see you have plenty of opportunities to see it but they're expecting this to be to be very very popular I think they're right I think it will be I think it's a a good addition they needed something like that Disney has Cirque du Soleil Universal needed some kind of show that was Along those lines. And I think Blue Man Group is a real good fit. Well, they've stood the test of time. Yeah. They're popular throughout the places they are. And <laughs> <laughs> the people who like them like it. <laughs> what, the what does that mean? <laughs> it's terrible when bad things happen to good sentences. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, um, oh, God. The, the, what, what's interesting, too, is that... Uh, there is a the first I think the first five rows first five or ten rows of the theater is considered like the splash zone because I guess they use a lot of paint mm-hmm. in their in their show. Please and seat me as far back as possible. I got to tell you, I would just be annoyed if I come out with paint on me. Well, you get a, they give you ponchos. You get ponchos, but still, I I don't I don't know that I would enjoy that. <laughs> I've got my I seats. Do. I have my I have my tickets for uh, the seventh and. Uh, the eight o'clock show on on June seventh, and I am I'm in the second section. I don't want to be any place where there's paint. I don't like it when I when it's in my house. I don't like it in my entertainment venues either. So, um, but I'm anxious to see it. I'm anxious to see it. Our our, our next uh, our show next month will have a full review. I only know one person who's actually seen them. Um, a girlfriend of mine, she saw them in Mississippi at a casino. They performed there, and she really enjoyed it. She at first she was kind of like oh, I don't you know. Really know what's going to go on, or do I really want to see them? But is this um, the one that drinks liquor out of the big bill? <laughs> <No, it's not>. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't think that was Julie, Julie was that. telling a little story before we started oh, recording man. about a friend of hers who. No, 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 this is not her. But um, you didn't think that was going to really, come back to her. Is, <laughs> is she going to listen to the show? <laughs> no, I don't think probably so. not. <laughs> yeah, that she won't remember it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to tell her to do some subject of conversation. Yeah. <laughs> You drinking liquor out of a big gulp, making believe it's Dr. Pepper. <laughs> no, I might like Blue Man too. No, but my other my friend, she did enjoy it. She said it was one of the better shows that she's been to. But Kevin, you're not excited about Blue Man Group. It doesn't doesn't no, really appeal to you. No, it just doesn't. Well, Corey I, and I, we got a taste of them at the Ellen uh, taping at Universal. Well, no, no, not what, about did you taping. Lick them? <laughs> <laughs> How did they taste? They blueberries. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was. I'm sorry, it wasn't our taping. It was the day before. But I watched the Come show. Come on, Violet. That and it. Ellen, um, she, you know, incorporated herself into their little skit, and it was really neat. I, I was. I'm looking forward to seeing them. It's just not my thing. Well, usually, you know, I, I'm I'm in the same boat. Uh, I'm not a I'm not a big fan of performance art in any form. I never have been. I'm one of the only people alive that doesn't like Cirque du Soleil because I think it's just pretentious French people dancing around in tights. Well, I'm um, one of the only people in the world who doesn't like river dance. So. <laughs> oh, no, you're not. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I think it's just basically a one-trick pony. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of going into Blue Man Group. I mean, I'm glad Universal is doing it because I know a lot of people do like performance art and people find it very entertaining. So I, I think it's a great addition. Anything new and different they add to universal is a good thing i think it's a great thing that if people you know it's a it's a it's a nighttime venue that an entire family can go to it's not a bar exactly so it's you know it adds a level of entertainment that orlando could use orlando has a reputation for being kind of a cultural wasteland yeah (laughs) once you've left disney so i mean it's nice to have these options so i'm I'm glad they're coming i am and i I'm, i'm i'm kind of going into the show with some trepidation because I know, like I said, I'm not a big fan of performance art. But I'll keep an open mind. I'll keep an open mind, see, see what I think of it. But um, Now, also, uh, for those of you... What's it, what, <laughs> I sneezed. <laughs> oh. He made a face at me and I laughed. <laughs> um, now, if you are an annual pass holder 
to Universal. I got to tell you, I love what Universal does for with annual passes. These are the best deals going. Yeah. Um, right now, if you are an annual pass holder through June fifteenth, it's a pass holder appreciation month. They're actually extending it past May thirty first over to June fifteenth. Fifty percent off on a one day two park ticket, which is pretty good. Is pretty good. And, of course, right now they also have the $86 seven-day, two-park, unlimited admission ticket, which is just – that's not for annual pass holders. That's for anybody. We have, we'll have a link to that on the uh, on our show notes page. But what a the, – the, the number of deals they have out for annual pass holders. They're doing, uh, as part of pass, hold, pass Holder Appreciation Month, uh, buy one lunch, get one free at uh, the Trattoria del Porto at Portofino Bay. The Kitchen at the Hard Rock, and the Island's Dining Room at uh, Royal Pacific, which wow. I thought is... That's a great deal. Yeah. We just had breakfast there recently. It was beautiful. I'll tell you, the breakfast there was wonderful at, uh, at the Island's Dining Room at Royal Pacific. I felt like I was on the set of The King and I. <laughs> Were you Anna? <laughs> <laughs> Shall we dance? <laughs> Another really cool uh, pass holder benefit going on this summer is that uh, pass holders are getting into the parks early, as early as 8 a.m. during weekdays through the summer from May 28th through September 2nd. That's cool. And if, you know, now, if you're, of course, if you're staying on property at one of the three universal resorts, you get front-of-the-line access, so what time you get in the park doesn't matter. But if you're just going up for the day, and I'll tell you, that hour matters. Because the lines get even even this past week, I was just there. We're going to talk a little bit more about that in a second. Uh, I had some family in town, and we were there. Um, but even on slow days, some of those popular rides, almost instantly, thirty-five, forty-minute waits. And uh, so, getting in early would is definitely. I think it's a great perk. Now, uh, Corey, you mentioned something about uh, a new show. At, uh, yeah, it's, the, it's a new water spectacular show uh, happening this summer from June 15th through August 18th. Um, it's happening at Island's Adventure Lagoon. They're going to have um, world-class athletes performing aquatic acrobatics on high-speed boats, jet skis, and wakeboards. That should be pretty cool because yeah. that, that's a uh, – they don't really do anything They there. do nothing on that lagoon. They have that huge lagoon in the middle of, uh, of Island's Adventure, and they do nothing. So that's going to be pr- pretty cool. Do nothing say. with it. Um, I also think that the breakfast where you can view the new movies, the character breakfast, I think that's really cool. Right Talk more about I'm that. Sorry. <laughs> Mrs. Says, Martin, <laughs> would you like to enlighten says, us? Enjoy Breakfast with the Stars at this spring's, of this spring's hottest films, exclusive movie screenings, character breakfast, and attractions. It's a double feature of epic proportions. Um, as a pass holder, you're invited to be among the first to experience two of the spring's most anticipated new films, Spider-Man 3 and Shrek the Third. And you just have to call for tickets and information. Cool. One eight six six pass for fun. But I thought that's really cool. You know, to be one of the first to see those movies before they come out. We already saw it. Saw what? Spider Man Three. Say nothing. I, I, I'm I, talking about I, I Shrek the it. Third. I, seen it yet. I don't really care about Spider Man. See, I, lo- I love Spider Man. I already know Kevin's review. I didn't say a word. I know. Don't say nothing. And that means you shut up too. Oh no, I I know how. Kevin okay, feels about Spider Man. Um, but they're also, unfortunately, bringing back Universal 360, their mm. nighttime show in uh, at Universal Studios. Uh, they they do it during peak periods, yet they leave those god awful ugly balls. They were dirty. They're for the pigeons. Well, because the pigeons are sitting on top of them, crapping all over them. <laughs> Um, Universal 360 is their nighttime. <laughs> Those are million dollar balls, you know. <laughs> so, but, um, Universal 360 is uh, is their nighttime spectacular show with fireworks. And here's my problem. My my review on the site I think is pretty clear about what I think of of Universal 360. But um, if you're going to put balls in a lagoon at night, project movies onto them, and throw up fireworks you are going to get compared to Illuminations. And don't invite that comparison if you can't stand it. And I'll tell you, Universal 360, disjointed. It was, it was just, I didn't find it enjoyable. I didn't find it to be a good show. I, found, I mean, the fireworks were good. But you didn't know where to look. You're looking all around. 
the, the, they have to keep the sound levels because Universal is actually located in a, a residential area of Orlando. Mm-hmm. It's not like Disney where they have like you know 20,000 acres of land. Universal has a very limited amount of land, and they are surrounded on most sides by, uh, by residential areas. So when they do things, especially at 9 or 10 o'clock at night, they've got to keep their sound levels low. So, but, of course, the crowd doesn't shut up. So you're trying, you're straining to listen to the soundtrack to the show while you're like craning your neck to look all around to see what the heck's going on because it's Universal 360. So stuff's being projected on buildings. You got stuff going on in the water. You got fireworks going up. You don't know where to look. It's just disjointed. And it wasn't an enjoyable show for me. I went back and saw it three times last summer and just, just to see if I was in a bad mood. <laughs> you know, was that the reason I didn't like it? <laughs> Three um, times, wow. They're overusing the word spectacular, too. Yes, everything is spectacular. <laughs> I, I agree. And that lagoon doesn't have a whole lot of viewing areas, either. And these balls that they use to project the movies on, I know everybody... Million dollar balls. like eighth graders. Every time we say balls, we <laughs> 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 But, you know, these balls they use to project the movies on sit in the middle of this lagoon, and it just completely obstructs your view during the day. Of the rest of the park, I mean, some great pictures. You used to be able to take some real great pictures across yep. that 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 lake, and now they're just obstructed by these huge balls with pigeons that sit on top of them and crap all over them. For a show that they only do maybe two months out of the year, exactly. Well, that's the other thing. They're kind of an <laughs> they're an anomaly in this park. You're you're in the, the wharf at San Francisco, and there are these you know sort of. Modern spheres. Well, something something you something you learn to accept at Universal Studios in particular is kind of like the whole theming thing went out the window. I think in 1995, because like okay, New York New York Street has Twister, which took place in Oklahoma, <laughs> The Mummy, which took place in Egypt, <laughs> and it takes place in the Museum of Antiquities, which is located in London, and <laughs> you have. The Blues Brothers, which took place in Detroit. So, I mean, these are all, these are three great attractions, don't get me wrong. Blues Brothers, probably, the, I think I can say arguably the best live show, live musical show you'll find in Orlando. It's phenomenal, the job they do with the Blues Brothers. The Mummy is incredible. It's an incredible attraction. At Twister, also, I think, is really, is, is really a cool attraction. But they have nothing to do with New York, yet they're all on New York Street. You know, you know and... Right next to R.H. Macy, which they put Macy's in the corner of 5th and 55th, which, hello, Macy's is actually in the corner of 5th and 34th, right across the street from the world or the uh, Empire State Building. But Somebody didn't do their homework. It, you know, well, that's, this is one of the things. They, they, they corrected these theming inconsistencies when they went and they built Islands of Adventure. They did much better about theming each area and keeping everything real consistent. But when they first built Universal, that they just didn't, they didn't know what they were doing. The way they laid it out, the way they did the theming. That's always been like, you know, something Disney you would never, ever, ever in a million years see at Disney. Disney is so particular about their theming and about making sure that everything fits. So I don't want to go off on too much of a tangent about that. Well, I just did, but. Because um, <laughs> the Universal fanatics are going to say, stop talking about Disney on the Universal podcast. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> but um, so there's a, lot, there's a lot coming up in the summer. You got Blue Man Group, you got some cool pass holder benefits, you've got the new show at Islands. Um, and uh, let's talk a little bit about rumors, though. We're talking about new things coming up. We've got some. We've been talking about it intermittently on our Disney podcast, and now I think we can have a real discussion about it here. The rumors of what's going to happen to the Lost Continent at uh, Islands of Adventure. Uh, from what we understand, and again, these are rumors. We do not have any kind of official verification, but uh, these rumors have been floating around on our discussion boards for quite a while. That the Lost Continent is going to become Harry Potter themed. That entire section of the park is going to be redone around Harry Potter. We have also heard, we have some, I think, some substantial verification that a fourth hotel is going to be added to Universal. And that fourth hotel, to fit with this Harry Potter theming, is going to be themed against Hogwarts, which features in the movie, the Harry Potter films. And uh, that the that hotel will be a three diamond hotel versus the other three hotels that are there now, which are four diamond, and which means it'll be less expensive, and it's supposedly not going to have front of the line access for that uh, for that hotel. So, 
what do we think of Harry Potter? I like Harry Potter, personally. I mean, you guys may not, but I look at it as becoming um, one of those great, uh, you know, well, it's not a trilogy, but <laughs> she has like six or seven books. But it's kind of like the C.S. Lewis, the Witch, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe series. I think it's going to be timeless. I think kids are going to grow up and they're going to know who Harry Potter is no matter how far down the road we go. So I think it's a good so decision. So you think it's gone far enough into the in, in, into the popular culture now. I, I really do. That oh, yeah. it tran- it'll transcend. I mean, I plan to buy these books and read them to our children whenever mm-hmm. we find, you know, so. I mean, they sold 325 million Potter books over the course of time. They've translated them into 62 different languages. So it's a worldwide yeah. event. And some of the, some of the websites, uh, some of the news agencies like over in the U.K., they're going crazy with this rumor. Well, it's it, it looks like from what we're hearing, it's they're just waiting to sign the contracts. They're in the final stages of negotiating it, and J.K. Rawlings, from what I understand, is only extending rights to her property for five years. And at which time, I'm sure they'll have to renegotiate, depending mm-hmm. on how successful it is, which I think is going to be very successful. Have to renegotiate for a higher price. She's a brilliant businesswoman. <laughs> Frankly, I think it's a be a really really good idea to get rid of lost continent i mean it's beautifully themed but it's boring the only good thing going on in lost continent is dueling dragons you got the eighth voyage of sinbad stunt show which was is like a real snoozer and then poseidon's fury which is a very unique show and very good show in some ways but I don't. It doesn't have. It doesn't have real appeal. It's, I don't think it's drawing guests into the park. Did you go this time? With uh, no, I didn't. I didn't do it this uh, this past time because they keep changing it up, and I was just wondering if they change it up again because they keep trying to find their voice for that show. I don't think they have a. Will. There were some special effects that were pretty cool, but I found the whole thing kind of confusing. Yeah. What What I understand though is that uh, J.K. Rowling's is going to have her hand in everything. Yeah, she's not going to lose any control, creative control, which I think is a really good thing. Yes. Definitely. Because of anything, she's the force behind this. And there was it, it was very bizarre for a while because they were saying there was going to be a Harry Potter theme park. As in, Universal was going to build an entire park that was going to be Harry Potter themed. I think what we're going to see is, I think, uh, Lost Continent is going to become a quote-unquote theme park around Harry Potter. Like Seuss Landing. Right. So that it yeah, it'll be, be like, a land. It'll be another right. land to islands. But kind of like you're like in a, a theme park, park. A mini park. That like would Potterville. Be, right. Yeah. That's park cool. in a park. So that's what I'm understanding it to be. Because um, a lot of the things that are over there already will fit into the Harry Potter theme. Dueling Dragons will still fit. Um, that unicorn coaster, the mm-hmm. sort of the medieval look to the buildings and stuff. That'll all still the be The mystic oh, yeah. fountain. I like him. Yeah, they won't have to, they won't have to do much. To the current buildings and the theming, I mean, I'm sure they'll do some things, but you know, it already it's already kind of like ready made for that. Right. And I mean, it's a beautiful it's a beautifully themed area. I think it's one of the most beautiful themed areas in any theme park I've been to. The Enchanted Oak Restaurant, that's that's which awesome. is great. Yeah, yeah. Which is a great restaurant. So I think that you'll find that's it, where you can get Harry Potter in the Order of Fries. <laughs> 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 Oh, my. I think one of the things they're going to need is they're going to need that killer attraction. Someone's going to have to sit down and come up with the Spider-Man for that land. And I'll tell you, they have, you know, they've proven the last few attractions that they've done. I think they've proven they've got the chops. They've got the, they've got the to use a Disney term, the Imagineering chops to put together some phenomenal attractions. So I'm excited about it. Now, I believe by the time we do our next show next month, our next Universal podcast next month, there will be an official announcement about this. From what we're hearing, it's supposed to come any time now. There should be some kind of official announcement any time uh, regarding Harry Potter and uh, whatever they're going to be doing over there. So keep your fingers crossed. I think it'll be, I think it'll be great, uh, great news. So I'm waiting for the Maggie Smith ride. <laughs> Smith. She chastises you for your posture. <laughs> Sit up straight. I, I have Sit to go straight. back and re- watch all these movies because I have no idea what they're about. There's a wealth of imagination and a wealth of ideas that someone can come up with. Let's just hope. And like I said, they've really got the ima- they've got the chops now. I think they've got the development chops to to really do something awesome. So um, uh, I'm looking forward to it. But all right, let's move on. Uh, Kevin Close is going to give us his review of Lombard's Landing. They're one of the one of two sit down restaurants 
located at uh, Universal Studios. Kevin, what'd you think? It's a beautiful building. Uh oh. We went recently. We went a little past lunchtime. Uh, it was probably two or three o'clock. The park was not crowded that day. We walked in, decided that we were going to have lunch, and we were unceremoniously told to wait over there. It would be a 10-minute wait. And being theme park fans, waiting 10 minutes to get into a restaurant is not unheard of. The problem was there were four tables that were filled, Mm. and there was a great deal of staff wandering around, and there was absolutely no reason for us to wait 10 minutes. We sat next to two managers who were having a personal discussion and it, it just it, it immediately gives you a bad impression. Mm-hmm. What's going on here that I have to wait 10 minutes to be sat in a restaurant that's empty? And why are you not acknowledging the fact that there's a problem as the manager of the restaurant? That was my first reaction. And again, the building is spectacular. The building is sort of turn-of-the-century San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Uh, it overlooks the Lagoon in Universal Studios. Uh, on top of that, our waitress, our server was rather non-attentive. So what could have been a very nice meal turned into pretty much a, 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 a frustrating event. Uh, the food wasn't bad. We started out with a couple of soups. We had to send one of the soups back because it was so salty that it was inedible. But uh, our entrees, I had a, a Caesar salad uh with chicken on top, that was great. And John had the fish and chips with uh, a side of vegetables. So our food was decent. It was what I would call theme park food. It's not going to win any awards, but it's a decent place to go in and have a meal. The prices are reasonable by uh, theme park standards. Pretty much the most expensive thing on the menu is the catch of the day at fifteen ninety nine. I don't think that's bad for a sit-down restaurant in a theme park. No, not at all. And the serving sizes were average and filling and things like that. The problem was they were sloppy. It was sloppy service. It was sloppy when we arrived. I just felt that we were an afterthought. And I think that's a problem. We actually got the best service from a busboy. We did. We we harnessed up a busboy and asked him to help us and he actually took over and became our waiter. So Wow. So the talent is there and the the desire to do well is there. I just think we well, I think I think you caught him on an off day because I know that in the past few months that you know we've been going over there a lot, doing a lot of work updating the site, and um, almost every time I'm in Universal, I will not eat their counter service food. Universal Studios. Now, there's a big difference between the counter service at Universal Studios and the counter service at Islands of Adventure. I will not eat the counter service food anymore at Universal Studios. It's terrible. So I'm usually I usually go over to Lombards. I know Bob right. and I were there a yeah, couple. Yeah, we times. were there a couple of times. Had never had really very good service. Yeah. We had good food. I think you might have caught them at an off time, but uh, they as far as op- dining options in Universal, it's either that or Finnegan's are the only two places I could recommend. Finnegan's is quite good too. I, I just ate there, just ate there uh, last week and was surprised at how good it was. They have the Cheesecake Factory on the corner there too. Right as you come in, the boulangerie, yeah, but yeah. that's more that's more snackish, right. little yeah. sandwiches. And there's a, yeah. there's a pizza place. I'm sorry, I don't know the name of it. I I really wanted this place to be great. It's a beautiful setting. Yep. It's well, you got a good view of the million dollar balls. We did yes. sixty balls, <laughs> as a matter of fact, and it, it just it, it was. I've heard the problem before with people complaining about the level of service at Universal. We ran into some really nice cast members. We ran into some really great people. However, this was this was stuff that could have been avoided. Right. This is not, you know, bad food. This is not poor training. It just seemed like that everybody had something better to do that day than actually work. Mm. And it wasn't that there were, were not enough servers. The restaurant never got crowded while we were there. I don't think there was ever more than sever- seven tables filled. Now, I should also tell you, as far as a restaurant review, that this is kind of a mixed bag. There's some seafood. There's uh, some pastas. There's sandwiches. There's salads. It, it's it's typical. It's nothing... It's, I, a good, it's a good mix. Right. It's a good mix. And it's also... It's the kind of place you can go if you're in the theme park. I don't know that this type of restaurant would survive if it was outside and didn't have a captive audience, Mm. especially with the level of service that we got. Right. So 
I, I can't really say anything bad about our food. Was it spectacular? No, it's nothing I would rave about. It's not something I would go to. It, I, I wouldn't make this my destination. Mm. However, if I was in the park and I was hungry, it would be a great place to stop and have lunch. I just think they need to tighten things up a little bit. And their customer service. Yeah. And it, there realize, was, make a decision that, hey, they, they do pay the bill. I like that we got uh, 10% off for using the annual pass, right. which is tremendous, I think. I think that's a great plus. So I think all of the, the, the pluses are there. They're all, like, right within grasp. I, I just think they need to, like, Kind of bring much, them all together. Yeah. Location-wise and um, theming-wise, this could be their brown derby. Yeah. It really could. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely beautiful inside. I mean... One of the things that I, when I we started to do this podcast, it really bothers me that people constantly compare the two. Like, for instance, one always has to be better than the other, and right. there are people who believe that one is better than the other, and there are there's both groups. I wasn't going to compare the two. I made a decision that I wasn't going to be one of those people who said, "Well, Disney does it this way." What I can tell you is that. And I, I'm going to go back on my word. It seems that when you go to a Disney restaurant, they, 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 they feel like you're coming back. That you're going to be back so that this has to be a positive experience so that you'll come back and spend more money. Mm-hmm. I get the feeling when I was here this day that they kind of felt like, well, you're not coming back, so it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And as the manager of the restaurant, that would be something I would try and overcome. Yeah. I'm a local. I bought an annual pass. My money is available to you. Yes. It's one of those things where you have to treat me like I want you to come back and spend your money here again. Yeah. And, and I didn't every, get... And that should be the attitude in every store, in every from every cast member uh, that works there. I agree with it you. It would raise the level of everything they do that they would not have to ever apologize for who they are. Right. That, you know, they don't ever have to feel like the supposed redheaded stepchild to somebody else. Raise the level to the point where I feel like I'm important to you on that day and that you expect that I might be back tomorrow. And I think you'd get a much better impression of things and a much better experience within their park. I have to give a compliment and I have to take something away. Um, One of the things that bothers me about Universal Studios is, in my opinion, they've sort of dumbed down the theme park to only being major attractions. One of the things that they have is they do have beautifully themed areas. Yes, they do. But it seems like everything except the major attractions was board, not boarded up, closed. It was shuttered. None of the little storefronts were open. As you walk down or walk through any of the specific areas of the park, I remember going there when it first opened, and all of those places added the color that you needed. For instance, um, Universal Studios has their own brown derby. Restaurant. No, it's a hat shop. Well, that's what it. But it's it's supposedly based on the Brown Derby restaurant. Right. That's closed, and it's now a storage area. So that takes away from it. However, on the other hand, the compliment, there was this little jewelry store where they were selling jewelry, but it was jewelry based on jewelry worn by movie stars of the '30s and '40s. No, we didn't buy anything. There were two guys walking around. But I have to tell you, it was really interesting. And they had pictures of the movie stars. And these were recreations of their jewels. And I think the most expensive thing in there was like $190. So we're not talking a major investment. But I thought that added to the whole movie star area of their Hollywood area. Mm. They need to take that little piece of that little idea and spread it throughout the park mm-hmm. so that you're not walking from one major attraction to the next major attraction. People need it would give somebody it would give people a chance to linger in a certain area. Exactly. And if they're looking to recreate or increase the amount of time a guest spends in their parks, other than standing in line for the next major attraction, I want something to do in between. I don't want to walk from Jaws to Men in Black to the new Simpsons ride to ET. I can be done with that park on a slow day in a half a day. Yeah. You've got to recreate. You've got to open up that interest and that stuff in between. And I realize that costs money, but you kind of have to spend money to make money. Well, I think, I think part of their – I agree with you. I think part of the problem is that with lowered attendance in particular, um, they've, had, they've had to close down certain things because they just simply you know it wasn't it wasn't you know it was costing more than it was but that's a self-fulfilling prophecy right it ends up so like a snowball down the hill right just i'm interested going. to see i'm interested because i've noticed that as well the number of things that were closed uh i'm interested to see during the summer uh how much of that stuff opens up 
I hope so. Because they don't lower the price when in the winter or in the slower season to get into the park. Right. It's still the same price, and that's upsetting. So, all right. Well, thank you, Kevin, for your review. Now, in our next segment, I want to talk in our Trip Planning 101 segment. I, I want to share some of my thoughts and experiences on a recent family vacation we had. My partner, Walter, his family was uh, is down his brother, sister-in-law, and their three kids, uh, ages 16, 12, and 5. Wow. were in town and uh, we uh, we spent the entire time they were in town for five days and we spent the entire time at Universal and and I'll tell you the truth prior to prior to this I would have said to somebody three days max for Universal and I take that back this in the almost I guess it's almost 15 16 years that I've been doing theme parks in Orlando uh, this was the most relaxing theme park experience I've ever had. Mm-hmm. I have to be honest. Um, the, the the killer app, the killer item that Universal has in their arsenal for a family vacation is that front-of-the-line access that you get when you stay at one of the three resorts, World Pacific, Hard Rock, and Portofino. In this case, we stayed at the Hard Rock, which I'm going to tell you, if you've got kids... Honestly, I, I I can't think of a better resort, a, a universal property anyway, uh, if you've got kids. The, the Hard Rock was a smash hit with all three of them. That pool alone, that pool alone really had them all enamored. And what we had done, the first day they got in, uh, they got in pretty early on a Friday. And I'm of the mindset that you don't uh, you don't want to do a theme park on a travel day. When you're first coming in, because you know you're getting up early in the morning as it is, you're going through the hassle of getting on the plane and all that nonsense, and getting into your room and getting set up. The last thing you want to do is go running through a theme park. So, what we did is we we rented a cabana for the day at the pool, hundred and forty five dollars, and uh, the cabana comes with uh, the table and chairs, ceiling fan, uh, television. Refrigerator that was stocked with a variety of sodas and, and, and bottled water. And they put a nice fruit basket in there for you as well. And, and then you have four lounge chairs that are yours exclusively to use. You don't have to go fighting for, for lounge chairs. Now, the problem with their cabanas is that the pricing changes. They actually yield the price of the cabanas based on, you know, time of year and how full the hotel is. So, you know, one day that cabana may cost you 145 The next day it may cost you 185 mm. And the prices of the cabanas are not the same in between the resorts. It's a little less expensive over at Royal Pacific, a little more expensive over – well, actually, no, I think Hard Rock is the most expensive. The other two hotels are actually less expensive. So there doesn't seem to be any rhyme or reason to how much these cabanas cost. But it was really cool because, you know, a woman came around every half hour or so check on us did you need drinks did you need food did you need anything we had a great lunch kids were able to go play in the pool you know me i don't like i don't like laying in the sun neither does walter's sister-in-law so her and i sat in the cabana and chit-chatted and caught up with each other and um it was really a really relaxing way to do to do uh to do the first day what we were able to do for the five days was kind of take the theme parks at leisure because again we didn't have to worry about the lines and the look on their faces the first time we went into you know, on Saturday we went into Universal, and the first ride we hit was Jimmy Neutron, and the wait time was thirty five minutes, and the look on their faces, not to mention the people who are in line, when you show your room key and you literally just go right to the front of the line, and you get right on. You know, my family was like, oh, my gosh, that's incredible. Mm. And But then you see the scowls of the people who's, who are waiting in line. That's what you get for not staying at the hotel. <laughs> but that allowed us to really take our time and just kind of leisurely go around the park. I've never really had that experience of going on. But usually, you know, when you go to Disney, and again, I hate to draw the comparisons, but sometimes you have to. You know, when you go to Disney World, you have to sit down and plan out this um, you know, almost down to the minute itinerary and have this battle plan of how you're getting to make sure you experience some of these attractions because the, the wait times get very long, especially this year. Crowds have been up. Lines have been long. 
You want to see Soren at Epcot, you better get to that park when it opens. Otherwise, you're going to have trouble. You're going to be waiting in a two-hour line. Um, the fact that you didn't have to worry about that just, uh, just took all the pressure off touring these parks. You were able to take it at a real easy pace, saw a few attractions, had a nice, relaxing sit-down lunch. We had lunch at Finnegan's, mm. uh, which was the first time for me eating there. And I've got to say, it was quite good. It was quite good. And again, the, the annual pass, the discount you get on your food, almost every single place we walked into gave us, it, gave us at least 10%, and in some cases, 20%. Um, merchandise I was getting 20% off constantly. Hmm. Speaking of that discount, that also works at City Walk. Yes. And I have to tell you, the I, we, John and I just got my mom a Vera Bradley purse for Mother's Day. Now, I don't know if you even know what that is, but Vera Bradley is a designer who makes these cloth purses that are very popular, and they're never, ever, ever on sale anyway, anywhere. You pay the same price everywhere. At Universal, you get 10% off at a place called Fresh Produce. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's the only way I've ever seen a, a Vera Bradley purse go on sale. So, Same thing with Tommy Bahama. Uh, I love Tommy Bahama stuff. And they have uh, the Island Trading Company, I think is the name of the store, sells a lot of Tommy Bahama products. And same price as what I pay in the mall, except I get 10% off there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but you see, with City Walk, though, it's hit or miss because... They're not universal-owned. Those stores are independently owned. So some of them give you discounts. Some of them don't. When you're in the theme park, when you're in Universal Studios in particular, all those stores give you the discount. So every place I went into, and I showed that, that well, with my annual pass, I have the premier annual pass, which is a new one. And uh, that, that you get, I was getting 20% off on almost all the merchandise I bought, which is really a big deal when you're buying souvenirs for three kids. You know, getting that 20% off is a really, really does help. Everybody you, likes 20% really? off. Can I give you a piece of advice? Something that one of the Universal employees told me. I went up to a cart to get us a soda, and I said, do you take, do I get a discount here for the annual pass? And she said, no, you don't get a discount at the carts. She said, however, if you walked across the street to the merchandise shop, you can get 20% off soda and water and things like that. So just taking a walk across the street, I was able to save money. The annual passes. If you go, we live locally, so I'm over there a lot. My annual pass paid for itself in about 20 minutes Yeah. between dining discounts, merchandise discounts, and uh, hotel discounts, and, 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 and Well, yeah, the valet parking on mine, on the, on the premium annual pass, the valet parking is free. Um, so you're saving $18 a clip. But what you save on the hotel, the discounts, the annual pass discounts on the hotel are stunning. Going back to that. That valet parking, when you come out of the park at the end of the day and your car is a mile closer, yeah, it's, it's worth so the price nice. of the annual pass right there. Exactly. It's like the MasterCard commercial, priceless. Corey and I <laughs> only park in valet when we go. Yeah, it's right there. Yeah. It's cheap, too. Well, I mean, and just I'm telling you, it, it's worth checking out if you're planning on coming down and staying at Universal for more than three nights. It is worth checking out what the price, the annual, if there's an annual pass discount on the rooms. Because in many cases, the cost of the annual pass is made up just in what you'll save on the hotel room. And then on top of it, like I said, merchandise and, and, uh, and Not food. to mention that, but uh, if you get the annual premium pass, you get eight bottles of water for free. Correct. Now, when they first told me that, I thought they were going to hand me eight bottles of water. And I thought, <laughs> this is going to get tiresome. No, you get coupons for it. <laughs> to walk around the park holding eight bottles of water. But I should, mention, I should mention that the, uh, that the, the, premium, the premier annual pass... Is a limited time thing. Um, this is a test program they're doing. That uh, they're not sure if it's going to. They want to see how successful it is. I got to tell you, two hundred and seventy nine dollars, folks. You get the eight bottles of water. You get coupons for eight free bottles of water. You get uh, the free valet parking at City Walk. You get one ticket to Halloween Horror Nights, wow. which by itself is worth about forty bucks. Yeah. You get uh, enhanced discounts on. Merchandise and dining. I, I'm telling you, it's a, it's an for two hundred and seventy nine dollars, and there are no blackout dates on it. I mean, it's the it's it's the the, the gold standard for theme, for for theme park annual passes. Go, being able to go around in the course of five days, those you know we would go into the parks in the morning, do some attractions, have lunch, go back to the hotel, hang out at the pool, maybe go over to City Walk at night, um, do the same thing at Islands. 
they were able to see everything they wanted without having to run like crazy people around the park. And being able to vacation that way was just such a different experience. Now, the problem, and this has been a long-term problem for for Universal, so we had a five-year-old with us. And this kind of ties into what Kevin was talking about right after his review about intermittent things to do as you walk around the park, going from attraction to attraction. Now, our five-year-old was a little taller than most, I guess. She was 43 inches tall, so she technically qualified for most of the attractions. To get into most of the attractions, the only ones that she didn't qualify for were the real extreme ones, like the roller coasters and things like that, which you wouldn't take a five-year-old on anyhow. But the problem is that even the attractions she could get on, we wouldn't take her on. Like, for example, Jaws. Jaws is too extreme for her, too frightening for her. She technically was tall enough to get on it. Men in Black, same thing. Little too much for her. Uh, now, maybe for a five-year-old boy or a six-year-old boy, it might be a little different, but she was the quintessential little girl. It really depends on the kid. Exactly. And so she was very good. I mean, she walked around the parks with us. She was not in a stroller, never cried, never complained. But when we got to, like, Woody's Kid Zone at Universal or, you know, conversely, Seuss Landing in Islands, she didn't want to leave. Mm-hmm. That's where she wanted to stay because those were that was the only place places that there were really things for her to do. And I understand that Universal's not going to be able to add, you know, attractions in every land they have that are suited to young kids. But I think they could pull a page out of Disney's book and do what Disney did at Epcot. Biggest complaint going for a long time about Epcot was it was in World Showcase in particular, nothing there for kids to do. So what they did was they set up these kid zones, these fun zones for kids in each of the lands mm. with different activities. You know, because in almost every attraction, one of us had to stay with, with, with Stella. And usually it was in the baby swap area, which the baby swap area is a very nice air-conditioned seating area, really nice. But it would have been really cool if, you know, because if one of us didn't want to ride that ride, in particular, like the mummy, there's a few of us that didn't want to go on that, to be able to take Stella to a little play area or, you know, a little interactive event area while everybody else was riding Mummy three times because they could get off, you know, with the room key, get off the ride, get back on again. Well, that's what I was talking about, those sort of multi-leveled experiences. Exactly. And even those little stores that sell things that are unique, you can distract a kid. And Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about just the art of distraction, but you can distract a kid just doing stuff like that. That's what I was talking about. There didn't seem to be that multi-level of... Right. I think I think Universal could really and truly eliminate, not eliminate, but cut down on some of the perception that's out there, that there's nothing there to do for younger kids. If they would do seemingly inexpensive ideas like that, add these little kid fun spots throughout the park so that in every land, in every area of the park, there's something there for kids. Because even like when you go into Marvel Superhero Island at, at Islands of Adventure, You've got Spider-Man. You've got the Hulk. Mm-hmm. Um, you have uh, Doctor Doom's Fearful. None of these are things that younger kids can do. Some and character and more character interaction. More character interaction. Well, you do at Island. You do see quite a few yeah. of the characters. Marvel superheroes, especially Marvel yeah, yeah. superhero. Yeah. I think they do a very good job there of that. But I think that having these in these areas where there are a lot of attractions that are not necessarily younger kid friendly putting something there that allows the rest of the group to go do it. And if grandma or mom or uncle Pete doesn't want to do a particular ride, <laughs> um, we can sit, we can take, we can take the kid over and kind of do something interactive with them in that way. And I think, cause I think Epcot did a very good job of stemming some of those complaints. You don't eliminate them in world showcase because world showcase really isn't, there's not a lot there for kids. But you stem some of those complaints, and I think Universal would do well to do something like that. Now, speaking about the Hard Rock, I mentioned that the Hard Rock was a great place for kids, and it was. Um, And the Hard Rock is a magnificent hotel. It's incredibly well run. The service level in that hotel is beyond most of what I've seen in Orlando. From, From valet to the front desk to the servers, the problem with the Hard Rock is housekeeping. I don't know what is going on at that hotel with the housekeeping. 
we there were days our rooms didn't get cleaned. And, I mean, Walter popped his head out of the room and said to the housekeeper, are you going to clean our room? She says, does it need to be cleaned? Uh, yeah, it needs to be cleaned. That's a problem. It was, and this happened because we had three rooms, and this happened to all three of them. One night we called down for a foam pillow because Walter needed a foam pillow. It took two hours and three phone calls and eventually me getting nasty with housekeeping before they finally brought one up. So housekeeping seems to be like this anomaly inside because I haven't had that experience with housekeeping at Portofino. I haven't had that experience with housekeeping at Royal Pacific. This seems to be limited to the hard rock. Um, outside of that, though, that is the only complaint I have about that hotel. That and the fact that the kitchen's a little expensive. But um, when I tell you the kids were absolutely out of their minds at the Hard Rock, had the best time on that slide in that pool, that pool is incredible. If you haven't spent any time, at, if, I'm, oh, my Lord, that pool is incredible. It's a, zero, it's a zero entry level pool, right? It's a zero yeah. entry level pool, yep. Did you get to do the kitchen for breakfast? I ha- Not in this past trip, but I have done the kitchen for breakfast before. They do a great buffet breakfast at the kitchen. $20, and it's unlimited unlimited orange juice, which is $4 a glass if you buy it off the regular menu. I'm happy right and there. It's, and it's fresh-squeezed orange juice. But what gets me is that there's no reason to order a la carte off the breakfast menu at the kitchen because... Everything that's on the a la carte menu, you can get on the buffet. Um, if, you, if you want omelets, if you want eggs benedict, if you want anything, just go up and tell them. They'll make it for you wow. for the $20. So it's, that's, that's, that's a pretty good deal. I think they're, they're, yeah. they're, And the breakfasts are really, really good. Overall, overall, I have to tell you, being able to, like I said, just kind of take those theme parks in pace, not rush around. Oh, oh, and I have to mention this, and I, I, I'll sound like a broken record because I mentioned it a lot on the site, and you're going to hear me mention it a lot in this podcast. If you are a family going to Universal and you want to have a really good sit-down meal, not gourmet, but a really good sit-down meal at an incredibly reasonable price, you have to go to Pasta More in CityWalk. Yeah. As you're leaving the parks, it's right there um, on the way out. In the corner. It's Italian, Italian food uh, during the day. It's a uh, counter service, and after five o'clock, it opens up for sit down. I have to tell you, we fed seven people with, and we had appetizers to share, desserts to share. All had a main course. A couple of a uh, couple of folks had drinks, adult beverages. Without the tip, it was one hundred and forty dollars, and we had a good meal. We all walked out of there full. Is that an all? Ta- it's all Italian, though, right? It's yeah. It's, a, it's an Italian. Yeah. yeah, they got a good variety over there. It's a good variety. Yeah, it's a very, very good selection of food. Um, you know, good kids menu, service. I, I, every time I've gone in there, the service has been outstanding. I mean, they really go over and above for you. I just, I got to be honest. It was every time I go in there, I'm impressed. And to, especially you know, when you go in there with a family of seven, you're looking to save money wherever you can. And they gave me a discount with my annual pass, which was even better. Um, and But for, for less than $150, without the tip, to have that kind of meal, we were really, really impressed. I can't recommend that highly enough. Another great place to go for families, a little more expensive, but really good entertainment and really decent food is Jimmy Buffett's. Jimmy Buffett's Margaritaville. Yeah, we, had a good we enjoy Jimmy Buffett's, too. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I, I'm in there quite a bit. I'm in there quite a bit. You know, the thing I like about the the hotels at Universal, uh, the Hard Rock, it's a, only a couple of minute walk if you wanted to walk or they have a boat to get over to Universal. It's just so easy. Well, that's the other thing is that they, they, they call it internally, their their staff calls it a campus. Their whole property they call a campus because you can literally, I mean, you can walk from one end of it to the other. Um, getting Getting from the Hard Rock to any place that we wanted to go. We really, I mean, we could have taken the water launch, which ran about every 15 minutes. The water launches run about every 15 minutes. But walking was not a problem. I mean, because you're literally five minutes away from the front gate of, yeah, of Universal Studios. And there's also, if you have a little cash in your pocket, they have those, uh, those little bike taxis. Oh, yeah, those are cool. Yeah. We did that one day, too. I, I, raced, I, just, I raced one of those. They're free, but they, they, they want a tip. Yeah. 
So yeah. they work on tips. Anybody that's willing to bike me around deserves a tip. <laughs> <laughs> I raced one of those one time in, with my EBC vehicle. I won. I cut them you off. Know, I just I wanted to say also that uh, Corey and I we ate at the Latin Quarter at City Walk, and that's also a fun place. I think more, it's more for couples and maybe not for family because it's a darker, Delicious more food. intimate setting. But it's really good food, really good, and we had a great server there too. Yeah, did. I was shocked by how good the food at Latin oh. Quarter was. Well, he was too. So he, was I, he really yeah. was nervous and wasn't sure about it. You know, I kind of was like, you know, whatever, let's go try it. <laughs> so I mean, for you know, any theme park vacation for a family is gonna is gonna be pricey. But I think one of the advantages that Universal has, and I would not suggest Universal if you've never been to Disney. If you've never done a Disney vacation, I wouldn't suggest just doing Universal. But if you've done Disney a few times and you're looking for a different experience, um, you can absolutely spend five days, five or six days at Universal and really feel like you've gotten your money's worth. And, And the number of discounts that are available to you there, with a little bit of planning, just like any other theme park vacation, with a little bit of planning, you can save a lot of money, and you don't need to do a tremendous amount of like tour planning. Like, okay, I'm going to hit this ride, and then we're going to have to hit this ride and beat the line over here and go over here. Because, again, if you're staying on, on site, that, that, that – You don't that, beat your body up. You don't. The other thing is they don't have to be mutually exclusive. They're 20 minutes apart. Yeah. I mean, you can stay at Universal in one of the Universal hotels, and if you have a car, drive to Disney in 20 minutes. Right. So, I mean, it doesn't have to be either or. Well, I recommend that, honestly. I mean, if you want to save some money on your hotel and you don't mind taking the drive, um, I think it's worth it in some cases. Not in every case, but I think it's worth it in some cases to you know, stay at the uni- use Universal, a Universal hotel as your base and, and drive down to Disney. Yeah. But I think for a lot of people, you know, I think having a, a dedicated experience kind of enhances the uh, the whole I know for us this past five days was staying you know spending our time at Universal and not going anywhere else not having to rent a car and just using their transportation and walking around really enhanced the experience for us it's it is possible I guess is the point I'm trying to make is that I didn't think it was I really didn't think I, I kind of thought Universal was kind of like Disneyland at best you got a three or four day experience but I can see, you know, we, we were talking to one guy in the hot tub that uh, comes down twice a year for 10 days at a clip and only stays yeah. at Universal. And he and his wife and his kid love it. You can also add SeaWorld. You can add Wet n Wild. So, yep. I mean, there are other things to do, too. And they do give you uh, complimentary transportation to SeaWorld and Wet n Wild from the hotels. That's on cool. one of those little bikes, right? Yes, yeah. on one of those little bikes. <laughs> they bike you down there. So, Peter, uh, I, I have to mention Portofino. I love that hotel. That's a beautiful hotel. I mean, you you go you drive in the driveway and you got the vineyard type uh, grapevines along the road, and it's like being over in in Italy. Oh yeah, it's beautiful. And you can really, I mean, you go up on the boat and you come in from going to the uh, theme parks, and you know you you got all the buildings there and they're all the different colors, and it's spectacular. Yeah. Portofino being I, more fun for adults than children. It's, I think I, it's, I like that. You know, I like that one. And uh, Hard Rock, Hard Rock sometimes with the music playing, it just gets. To well, that's why I'm saying for kids, it's. I think it's a much more. It's a much more fun atmosphere. I also like the dive-in movie they do during the week, uh, different times during the week, depending on how busy it is. Uh, all three hotels do this now, right. but uh, they give you floats. You hang out in the pool. They put up a big screen. And they play a movie when we were there. Um, I oh, bet Field it of Dreams! Wasn't Pirates of the Caribbean. No, I'll guarantee you it wasn't. It was Field of Dreams was playing uh, the one night we were there. That uh, first Friday or Saturday night, they they had the dive in movie going. Jaws is the best pool movie. I've said that before. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, that's going to wrap it up for our trip planning one hundred and one segment. And uh, before we close our show, I uh, do want to mention that uh, next month we're going to give everybody a chance to win either a two-park annual pass. We talked a lot about annual passes today. Um, Either a two-park annual pass or two tickets to go see Blue Man Group. And all you need to do is send us an email and uh, ask us a question or tell us what you want to hear on the show. If we read your email on the show, we will send you your own Diz Unplugged T-shirt, and we will select one person at random from the emails we receive. And that person will be awarded a uh, 
an annual pass or tickets to go see Blue Man Group. Being a little generous right now with that because we want to generate some emails as a new show. We want to get some of you uh, sending in some questions and sending in some creative stuff to give us some ideas, what you'd like to hear, what you want us to talk about. So uh, you can send those to podcast at wdwinfo.com. And uh, like I said, next month we'll be awarding somebody one of those two cool prizes. Or maybe if I'm in a good mood, I'll award them to two people. We'll see how many emails we get. But that is going to do it for our first edition of the Diz Unplugged Universal Studios, Universal Orlando edition. From Orlando, Florida, I'm Pete Werner. Hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll see you next month.